and welcome to the Recruitment Marketing Podcast. My name is Victoria Rush. Here, I'll be talking to marketing leaders in the recruitment industry, discussing their careers in recruitment, passions for marketing, and the challenges and successes they have faced along the way. My aim for this podcast is to share the opinions and insights of a variety of experts from across the recruitment marketing landscape. I'll be discussing their experiences and learns while building recruitment brands around the world. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Recruitment Marketing Podcast. My name is Victoria Rush and today I'm joined by Sean Fury, Brand Manager at the SR Group. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. No problem. So could you start by telling us a little bit about yourself, please? Sure. So yes, as you mentioned, I'm the Brand Manager of the SR Group. Uh, I look after two of the brands. Uh, prior to this, I went travelling for a bit, uh, and then prior to that, I was also in recruitment for the 510 Group, working with Adam Nickel, who was on one of your previous podcasts. Was. Um, I was there for several years. Prior to that, I was in accountancy, doing marketing, um, which sounds like it shouldn't be interesting, but is actually quite interesting, I find. <laughs> um, and subsequently, those two previous roles have led me to this role, because I now look after the legal recruiter and the tax recruiter of the SR Group. So how did you end up getting into recruitment? Into recruitment? It's interesting. So basically, my career has always just been stepping stones. So from being a marketing assistant in the accountancy firm through to an executive there, I kind of wanted to make that next step up um, and found the role. I can't remember which agency I used, but I found the role for 510 Group as a marketing manager, which was the next logical step up. And yeah, it seemed really good from terms of what I read from the job description and the meeting with, with Adam it kind of fulfilled everything I wanted to do. Um, the fact that it was recruitment, uh, I didn't really have any thoughts on that um, until I got into recruitment, and then it just seemed quite fun, to be fair. And the good thing about it, or the fun thing about it, is meeting the, the, the variety of people, I guess, from all different backgrounds. Um, that's the one thing I like. And then coming into this role, I just I knew recruitment. I knew marketing, because I'd done it for several years. I knew recruitment, so it kind of seemed like a, a natural fit, given, given my... Um, my experience. Yeah, how did you find that switch? Accountancy is a very different universe to, to recruitment. Like it is. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's some similarities. So you do meet people in recruitment who could certainly work in a professional services environment, yep. especially the very corporate professional services environment. And there's some people that wouldn't last at all. Um, <laughs> but going into, yeah, it's going from a very corporate professional where they look at your, your commas and your hyphens and your full stops and um, all of that are very strict to recruitment, which is a bit more fun, I guess. And it kind of loosened me up a bit, I guess, in terms of what I could do from a marketing point of view, that like creativity, which was quite nice. So I liked it in that respect. I'm sure it was. So at SR Group, you're a brand manager, which is a slightly different structure to many other recruitment agencies. Okay. Um, a lot don't necessarily have somebody who focuses on particular brands but covers one thing across all or everyone dips their toe in a bit of everywhere um how do you think splitting the team down like that has benefited you guys um brand manager is good i think because it allows consistency throughout the brand so rather than having a marketing manager in london new york the middle east asia a brand manager looks after all global brands albeit we do have regional people that look after those those areas to do the actual day-to-day stuff. A brand manager can see the consistency throughout a brand so that all reports or any campaign is being delivered with a consistent message. Um, although the bigger that you get, you do need to have specialisms. 
which we do have at the moment. We've got a digital person, an in-house graphic designer. We've got um, a social media person, an events person. So you do have to have those specialisms, but the brand manager role, I think, allows that, like I said, that consistency to be um, pushed across the brands. Is it tough for you to have more than one brand? I mean, they're both in professional services. They're yeah. relatively similar in that respect, which must help. But is it harder having a couple of brands to cover across the sector? I don't find it particularly challenging. Um, I quite like flickering in between two different specialisms. Yeah. Um, and people that, I suppose, lawyers and tax and treasury people, they're very different in terms of what they do. But there are certain similarities in terms of how they like to be marketed mm. at or to. Um, I don't find it challenging. It's nice kind of flickering in between different projects, um, which is one of the benefits of why I chose to work at the SR was that um, flexibility, I guess, to flicker between brands. Yeah. I find it quite interesting because what works for a tax person or how to market to a tax person won't necessarily be how you would market to a lawyer. Uh, and even within the legal profession, you've got the in-house lot and the private practice uh, lawyers, and to market to them is very different as well. And then on seniority is even different. So there's lots of different levels of that yeah quite interested to hear from you for the people who are even on their own or, or a brand manager how do you structure what you do your day how do you structure about going about there's so many different tasks that you have to cover there is yeah so as I mentioned because there are so many different ways to market mm. to these people you I'm a planner anyway so I like to plan so I like my to-do lists yeah. the evening before when I'm in work is to create a to-do list for the following day yeah um, and, and one thing I, I like to do is in any day is to achieve one thing so take yeah. one thing off my to-do list <laughs> and because the nature of recruitment longer. it's going to be it's going it's, it's fast paced and there's always going to be something urgent to do I had it this morning so I had my to-do list I was ready to go and we had to sign up to a job board this morning to get things out for the weekend so that kind of threw out my to-do list for a bit what I like to do to be yeah. fair and then from that it gives you a structure so you can look after the separate parts of the business but you can take off a podcast today Indeed, that. I can do. That's a good thing. <laughs> the other thing I like to do, and, and some people find it a bit odd because recruitment is so fast-paced, and is that I like to just turn off my emails for several hours a day because that allows me to actually do something. And because what I find, because we use Outlook, and I find that that little blue box, I don't know how to turn it off, but when it flickers up in the bottom corner, that's it, I'm distracted straight away, so I have to look to see what, what's needed. So turning off my emails is a tactic that I use, and it's quite successful for me, I think. Give you a couple of hours a day to really focus yeah. on what's important. Oh, yeah, I mean, the flip side of it, when you open up your emails, you've got about 10 emails to action. <laughs> Immediately. So, yeah, which yeah. adds to your to-do list. Yeah. Um, so what is it, we've spoken about this before last time we, we met, what is it that you love about your job, about marketing and recruitment industry that gets you in every day? One of the things I love about my job, and I've been lucky enough to have this several times, is a good team. If you like marketing, great. If you like marketing and have a good team, it's even better. And currently, I'm in a very good team. We all get along. And previously, in the 510 group, again, that was a fantastic team. And again, in the accountancy uh, firm, that was a good team. So having a good team and everyone who's friendly and gets along really does help kind of get you out of of bed in the morning, particularly if you get those tricky days where uh, it's a bit tough. But um, yeah, having a good team is really good. And when you get to a manager's level and you're hiring into your team, interviewing skills are really good so how to hire someone so you hire for personality like we mentioned in a previous conversation you can always learn a piece of technology how to use it you can learn a process you can't necessarily learn personality so when you're hiring someone hiring them for personality is quite a good thing to help build that team which again gets you out of bed in the morning when you're having those tricky days 
Yeah, I mean, I suppose there's two two points to that answer. Similar to what I liked as a kid, really. I liked just creating something from scratch. Um, similar to your podcast, it's an idea you had, um, and then it's something tangible that people can hear and listen to. And I kind of like that, having the idea of a campaign, see if it fits within the business, great, and then making it tangible, going through the process of the creation with a designer, uh, the content, making it sound good, and then promoting it. And then even better, when you get leads through, which is great for marketing, because that's what marketing does, is lead generation. Yeah. And then if um, revenue comes from it, even better. Always the aim. So yeah, so that's kind of why I like marketing. And then why I like recruitment is what I alluded to earlier on. You meet so many different types of people that you can learn from everybody. And you'll meet people who are like yourself. You'll meet people that come from a very different background to you. And it's just fun interacting with so many different types of people. It's, uh, it's fun. Yeah, really? it is. Yeah. It's great fun. That's why we all we all do it. We all suffer the tough days as, exactly. as much yeah. as the good days. Yeah. And um, then for the most part, people are very nice in recruitment. You get the occasional ego. Um, which is the nature anywhere. of people who make money for a living. Um, yeah, but I mean, they're, they're few and far between in my experience. That's, that's yeah. good. And everyone's, everyone's quite nice and receptive to marketing, I think. So, yeah. How did you get that here? Did you turn up to SR Group and everyone was relatively receptive or have you managed to kind of get everyone on side a bit? Yeah, well, luckily, um, with SR Group being a competitor of 510 Group, I had worked with several people already. So right. on my first day, I recognised probably a quarter of the company, which was always helpful, good. Yeah. Helpful, yeah, because they knew what I could do anyway. Um, and getting people in, involved in marketing is, is, is quite simple, really, particularly with the smaller brands. Um, what I find is that whilst we run the big campaigns, it's always good to explain to people why we are writing a blog or why we are doing targeted campaigns. Just giving that more explanation to consultants it just makes it. It makes them understand it a bit more, which in turn makes them like marketing a bit more if it works. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, well, it always works. We know what we're doing. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, how do you keep on top of the so many different things that are possible for for marketers for the SR group? There, you could do anything from podcasts to innovation to automation. How do you help your guys keep on top of that? Yeah, well, one of the things that I um, do, and it's kind of one of the benefits of having a, a larger team, is that you can share ideas, yeah. um, and that's always good. I mean, I'm the type of person that likes to learn a lot, and so, again, doing a podcast, just seeing the actual physical setup of a podcast is something I'm learning, so I can then transport that into uh, my working life. Uh, going to conferences, there was a digital marketing conference this week, actually on Wednesday, um, and just going to conferences and reading, I like to read, so reading a lot um, is always good. And then sharing ideas with the team. Uh, and one thing I like to know, so when a new consultant joins us, I meet with every consultant that is under the brands that I look after. And for the most part, they're from a competitor. And I ask them, is there something that your competitor did do really well, that worked really well, that we could potentially use here? So you learn from that. Um, and then once you absorb all that information, it's then understanding how that would work in your brand. Mm -hmm. And then from there, trying to convince the senior stakeholders <laughs> that... Um, a review website is a good thing to go down, which they can be a bit receptive to or non-receptive to. Yeah. And how do you tackle that conversation? Everyone does it differently. Um, yeah, that's I always a tricky one. Um, me, personally, I, I try to explain the benefits. Ultimately, if they don't want to do it, it's not getting done, particularly in a partnership environment where the, the senior partners own the business. Um, if they don't want to do it, it's not getting done. All you can do is stake your claim, provide the evidence and say, I think it's really good. And then try to tap into their competitive nature. Um, I've spoken with the provider, and here's the stats for 
how many visits this particular website gets, or we should do it, and whether they want to do it or not. That's again, using tangible numbers. Yeah, I try to use some sort of logic saying, here's the reason we should do it, your competitor's doing it, and let's go. Another thing that helps a lot is listening to the consultants. They work with the clients and the candidates on a day to day basis, so they know exactly what, not say exactly, but they know more of what the client wants. So working with the consultants is, is, is paramount, really. And that means literally sitting with them, uh, sitting next to them, socialising with them, just being out with them, becoming friendly with them. So having that knowledge of the knowledge passed on to you from what they gain from the, the clients is very good. Um, and it's interesting because that's part of marketing. That relationship with the consultant helps you develop as a marketer simply because if you're an academic marketer, marketer and you follow a textbook, in recruitment it's going to be very difficult to succeed because you have to be flexible for that reason that the, the consultant deals with the candidates and the clients on a day-to-day basis. So you have to adapt your skills slightly and adapt your messaging uh, and not be so headstrong to say that my textbook said this, so it's definitely going to work. <laughs> How do you think the two sides of the business can work better together and can learn from each other? I think you can learn from each other by understanding that consultants are experts in what they do, so don't try to tell them what they do or what to do. And in the same breath, consultants have to understand that marketers are experts, for the most part, in what we do. So they they shouldn't tell us what to do. We can take their input, but we're the ones that create a campaign or create the messaging based on their input, and we, we execute. So both parties understanding that they're experts in their respective fields, I think, is how they can both work together. Um, what I want to go back to actually is as you're a brand manager globally for two of the brands you obviously have people sat locally executing many of the strategies that you have how do you build the relationships with those people and kind of create these strategies for the vast majority of different cultures uh, that you have to cover yeah that's, I mean, that's a great question because yeah the culture thing can uh, can certainly impact a, a campaign that you do um, and it, it goes back to my point about just listening to people. So you speak with the person that we have in Europe, in the Middle East, and the person in APAC to understand if we produce something, how would that go down in China or in Singapore? Um, and they'll just tell us. And it's, it's interesting because what will work somewhere else might not work here. So you kind of have to tone things down a bit. And um, it's pretty much just listening, really, and seeing what they say. And you might tweak a campaign slightly um, to suit that market. And, yeah, that's kind of what you do. That's what I do, really. Yeah, how do you keep the relationships with all of those people? With the marketing team? Yeah, um, when they're executing globally. So with, with actual campaigns, we will hold a starting conversation and then outline what definitely will not work. <laughs> so we can rule that out straight away. Yeah. And then we'll take the input from the marketing locally, what will work. We'll then speak with the partners, what do they want to do, how do they want to be portrayed to their clients and candidates. And then we'll kind of take it from there, really. There's no fixed one thing that we follow. It does flow. It does change slightly. A campaign will just change slightly as and when you're going for it, particularly if it's a longer three, four, five-month campaign. So you've got quite a lot of area to cover, a relatively big team for, for the size of your agency, which is fantastic. Um, how do you guys get the most out of the budgets that you have? Um, it's always a tough conversation in marketing budgets. Everybody's yeah, got budgets. their own story. <laughs> yeah. um, how do you guys, with the, the breadth of, of places you have to cover, make the most of what you have? The budgeting conversation is always a tricky one. Well, firstly, we look at what worked previously in the last year. And if it worked, great, we do it again. Secondly, if there's something new, we will try to justify why it will work hopefully we can convince partners to give us more money to, to do stuff <laughs> uh, but naturally it's always a bit hard to say can we have more money 
ask with a good reason. Yeah, for we just ask and, and tell them what the benefit is and why we should do it, and and then roll with it. And particularly here, they're, they're fairly good. I mean, if you can make a good argument, a good case for something new that we've never done yeah. before, yeah, for the most part, it will, it will go through. We might have to do a trial period first, but it's fine. And the partners here are, are pretty cool with that. Um, I actually do have a question. You mentioned job boards earlier. Is that something that solely sits under the marketing team um, as candidate acquisition? It's obviously some kind of advertising spend, or does it sit more with the sales as they get more? No, it sits with marketing. It does. Um, And and rightly so, I think. Um, It is a form of advertising. So, yeah, I I don't see why it wouldn't sit anywhere else. And who gets the ultimate decision? Um, That's actually a mixture of both marketing and the business. So we do analysis on the job boards, what returns we get. So that's where we would say, as a marketing team, right, we've invested X amounts, it's brought mm. in this amount, it makes sense to do it again, or not do it again. Then the business will say, we'll open up a new division, we need marketing budget for that. So there's a, there's a balance of both. So the business sometimes will dictate if we're expanding, but for the most part, marketing will say, mm. with uh, good reasoning why we should keep or not keep a budget a job board where do you now see the future for SR marketing uh, ideally I would like to go down the, the automation route which I suppose Who everybody wouldn't? wants yep. to go yeah, down of course. whether that happens in, in sooner rather than later I don't know because to get a really sophisticated AI uh, technology will just cost money and from not having it to telling the CFO I want high five figures maybe six figures to invest in a system I don't know how, how well that would go down, but um, I, th- I think that's the way forward, personally, AI. And However, saying that, with technology, you can have all the best technology in the world, but recruitment fundamentally is about people. And a recruiter, by nature of them still being here, the, the personal element is still needed. So a candidate can go onto a job board, find a role, click apply, but there's so many, how do they know the right ones? Or how do they know what the client's like? That's the purpose of the recruiter, to have that tacit knowledge to say, working with this client is great because of X, Y, and Z. So whilst technology will improve and will get more ingrained in the process, that personal element I don't think will ever leave. So recruiters are needed, that personal element. Definitely. I uh, love hearing the answer to this question. What one piece of advice would you give your younger self when you first started out in recruitment? You know, I wouldn't really say no to anybody earlier on in my career, which I thought was a good thing because I was just pleasing everybody. And when you do say yes straight away, everyone's happy till you say yes all the time and your to-do list grows and grows and grows. Mm. And you end up under-delivering and over-promising, which is not good for, for anybody. No. And everyone just gets upset at the end. So one bit of advice to my younger self would be just be very honest in what you can deliver. And if you can't deliver it, say so. If you don't understand something, say so. Particularly if you're new to recruitment, just ask. That's how you learn. You have to ask people. And everybody's been new once. So no one was born with the information. Everyone's acquired at some point. So it's just about acquiring that information and then passing on if you are managing someone to someone else. Yeah, sure. Being honest about what you can do will please people more in the long term than it exactly. will say I mean, yes all the time. Completely, yeah. If everyone's honest with each other, then everyone knows the, the playing field and you know exactly what's, what everyone's dealing with, what everyone can do. It just makes life a lot simpler. Yeah. I mean, I found out the hard way by over-promising when I was younger. <laughs> but and consultants will respect you more for saying it too. Completely, yeah. And consultants, they're, 
they're so busy they they just want people to do what they say they can do and it, pre- it is that simple really and if you can't do it say so you can't do it and the consultants won't get upset they'll just either find another way to do it or get rid of that idea and try something else Secondly, um, is don't rush. So, and that's with regards to my career, which I didn't rush because I'm I'm one of those people like I'm a, I'm a planner. So I was never in a hurry to to rush up the corporate ladder and to become a head of marketing or a CMO. So I just gradually took my time and just learned bit by bit along the way, um, simply because I wanted to be I wanted to be a manager at some point, um, but I also wanted to be the manager that could answer the questions of those who were below me. So. I always took my time and just learned. So I didn't rush in that respect. But I did rush trying to execute things, which when you're younger, you just want to impress. And that leads to mistakes, which leads to a lack of confidence, maybe. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, my advice would be not to rush in, in any aspect. There's a lot to be said for sometimes not worrying about what your job title is and getting more done and learning more. Yeah, completely. Yeah, I mean, the, the good salary will come eventually. Um, particularly, it's, it's easy when, when you're when you're younger. You want to just keep earning more money and get that promotion as quick as possible. But then, the kind of the older you get, the more you realise I just need to have that ex- extra bit of experience. But that comes to the detriment of not getting that salary increase. So basically, you've got to learn your craft and, and just keep working. And eventually, the the salary increase will come and the money will come. That makes sense. And this is now uh, a new part of this podcast, thanks to you. What is <laughs> your favourite question you've been asked as a marketer by uh, somebody in a recruitment company? Yeah, well, I think pretty much all marketers can identify with the question, can you tart this up for me? <laughs> or can you make it look pretty? Or can you make it look cool? Or jazz it up or words to that effect. So you get that there non-stop. You get them all the time. My favourite request, which I mentioned to you previously, was during a corporate photo shoot. When it was taken and the photos were sent to the consultant and they came back saying can you make me look more like Barbie <laughs> to which I took that quite literally and thought no in every aspect no I passed on to someone else so <laughs> yeah. also, to be fair That's one that was of probably my favourite question um, I've probably got loads in my head if I ask the team I'm sure there's a whole uh, a book we could produce on, on random We're, questions we all have them so that's definitely going to be featuring um, in the future on this podcast but thank you very much for your time today Sean thank you very much thank you for having me no thank you for joining us on this week's episode of the recruitment marketing podcast that was Sean Fury brand manager at the SR group I'm Victoria Rush and please feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn if you'd like to be involved in the next series and don't forget to subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. See you next week.